0: <laughs> right. He is a Peter Garrett, isn't he, Paul? He's a Peter Garrett, that guy. He's a, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. All right, let's come to the Word of God. Let's take our Bibles, and if you have them, turn with me please to Galatians and chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, we're, we're actually starting a very short series, a four-part series this morning, which um, I've called... The blessing of Abraham and as you know I've written I wrote a book on the new covenant called new covenant new glory in a sense this series is going to be a sequel to that because God has caught us into a covenant and this covenant is full of blessing but the problem is that many Christians do not know and do not understand and therefore do not walk in the blessing of the covenant it's the same covenant God made with Abraham with Abraham it was a promised covenant it was yet to come here to look forward to Jesus but he still received the benefits but we look back to Jesus it's called the grace covenant we're now living from the riches of his grace and so we're going to discover over these next four weeks uh, something more of what it means to live in this wonderful new covenant that God has brought us into let's read from Galatians chapter 3 and we'll start at verse 6 where cutting in at that verse paul says just as abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of abraham and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles by faith preached the gospel to abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations shall be blessed so then those who are of faith Are blessed with believing Abraham for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse for it is written cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith not by works by faith yet the law is not a faith but the man who does them shall live by them Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know, I often teach that um, the two most important things in our lives that help us to grow is knowing the truth about god and knowing the truth about ourselves if we are confused about those two things we will struggle big time and many people are they they don't understand for example god's heart towards us now we see god's heart towards us uh, in the in this fact that the very first act towards man when god had created him was to bless him. Amen. Let's read that together. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So the very first thing that God wanted to do when he created man was to bless him. That word bless is from the Hebrew word Barak or Baruch, which means to empower, to prosper in all areas of our lives, spiritually, physically, materially relationally emotionally it, it covers every aspect of life to be blessed and empowered to prosper let me read to you a quote from someone who understands uh, uh biblical linguistics uh, the languages of the bible he says this word means to uh, to bless in the old testament means to endue with power for success prosperity fruitfulness in childbearing longevity etc now We need to understand, though, from this verse that when God blessed man, in that blessing, there was also the seeds to bless others. He said, be fruitful and multiply. So there's not only just something for ourselves, but something we can give to bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. I mean, you take, for example, a tree. God creates a tree. That tree will grow. That tree will become fruitful. But that fruit will also contain seeds that other trees might be planted. Amen? When God created a a human being, he created that human being to be whole in every area, to be blessed physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, materially, and so on. But also, that human being will give life to other human beings. That's the blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And, and, and so, you, we see this especially in, when we understand the Greek word. The, the Hebrew word is barak or baruch. But the, Hebrew, the, sorry, the Greek word is eulogia or eulogia. Somebody pronounce it eulogia. And, and it's made up of two words. The word u, e-u is well. And logia is speech or to to speak or word. And so putting it together, to bless someone is to speak well of them. We can bless people with our words. You know, often when I write a letter or write an email, I I sign up blessings. Now somebody can come back and say, but we're already blessed with every spiritual blessing. But you know, there's even more than spiritual blessings. God wants you to be blessed in the practical and and, uh, material and physical areas of your life as well and we can speak that in fact the bible says this paul says uh, sorry peter says this um, you know if somebody reviles you he's talking about the body of christ by the way if somebody speaks evil of you don't revile them back but bless those that revile you because you were called to this you were called to be a blessing amen We were called to bless people. And one of the ways we do that is through our words. Now, here's another interesting thing. Uh, As I studied this word Barak and Baruch, it actually comes from the root word Barak, B-E-R-E-C-H, which means knee or, or to kneel or to bow. And so to receive the blessing, all we just need to do is to come into that place of receptivity, to come in a place where we just... Bow before the Lord to receive all that he wants to do in our lives. Now when God blessed Adam, he placed him in the garden, this beautiful paradise that he'd created for him. And all he said to him was to tend the ground. That word tend means to cultivate, to serve it, to work it, to dress it. To, to bring forth the life and the fruit that is in the ground. Now, now we cannot, I mean, the, the miracle of life is fascinating, isn't it? You, you get a packet of seeds uh, from, from the shop and uh, you know there's life in those seeds, but they, they can lie there for months, they can lie there for years if you don't put them into the ground, right? But if once you plant them, we don't know and fully understand how the soil works with the seed and the light, and the air and the sunshine and it brings forth life out of this little seed comes this life and so all we're doing we're not creating the life it's already there we're tending it and bringing it forth that's what that word bless means it means that we are empowered to prosper in all areas of our lives now the foundation of blessing of course is a right relationship with god to be connected to God. And that's why we see that in the fall, when Adam sinned and was disconnected from God, from the life of God, there was a reversal of the blessing. In fact, this is how you know that we're blessed in every area because you see how man was impacted in all those areas. The first thing he felt was shame. He knew that he was naked. He was always naked. No sense of shame before. Rather a sense of the glory of God was upon him. But that was gone. He felt shame. The next thing he felt was guilt. He heard the voice of God walking in the garden. He ran from God. Guilt. Sin consciousness. The next thing we find, there's a huge disruption in relationships. You know, when God calls them to account, Adam blames Eve. He's happy to see her take take the rap for, for his problems, his mistakes. The woman you gave me. And God says to the woman, you know, your desire shall be towards him and he will rule over you. In other words, there'll be this codependency. We'll look to one another to meet our needs, which we cannot really find those needs fully met in one another. And people will take advantage of that in those relationships. There'll be this ruling and ruling over thing. And we see that in relationships today and and, and worst of all you know the Bible says this that that thorns and thistles and weeds began to grow and instead of tending there was toiling there was toiling. in other words what God originally gave us we will have to work to get now that's the law that's the curse of the law dear friends And and all that happened because of this disconnection from God. But God promised the Savior. The moment the fall came in, he promised the Savior. He said to the serpent, the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman will come and bruise your head. In other words, overturn all the damage that you brought in. Undo that, reverse that again to bring blessing back. To creation because God's plan is to bless us and we see also in the garden that the last thing that God did before they left the garden was he replaced the fig leaves that which they were trying to cover up with and he took the skins of animals whose blood had been shed and covered Adam and Eve a picture of the fact that one day we would be clothed again with righteousness because of the blood of Jesus Amen. And and so the the curse would be overturned and we'd be restored to blessing again in all areas of our lives. Now, let's pick that up. We're talking about the blessing of Abraham because when God called Abraham, his prophetic program of redemption kicked in. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and uh, verse 1. This is the commencement now, the outworking. Of what God intended to do, what he promised he would do in restoring the blessing of God upon man. It says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now that's the beautiful promise of redemption. The promise that you will be blessed, and the foundation of that blessing, is that you will be connected to me again in the right way. Now, as, uh, as we read on, we, we, we know that God begins to speak with Abraham about the seed that will come through. That's how he will bless all the families of the earth. The seed that will come forth from you, in that seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Amen. And so later on, we see that Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Righteousness just as we believed in Jesus from that moment, we were made righteous. I don't think many of us understood that. We knew our sins were forgiven. We kind of had some idea, you know, we're going to go to heaven one day, but the full revelation of what it means to be righteous has been an unfolding thing. Well, Abraham too, he believed, he had enough information to believe that his seed would one day come upon the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, And he put his trust in him and he was made righteous. And because of that, he began to be blessed by God. His seed began to be blessed. You know, Bible scholars know very much that uh, the, the seed of Abraham There's the physical seed. The Jews and the spiritual seed. We read in Galatians, those who are of faith are the seed of Abraham, amen? That's the church, that's us. And God's blessing has been evident in those areas. Take, for example, the, just the physical descendants, the nation of Israel. On a, on a per capita basis, Israel leads the world today by far in research and technological creativity they are world leaders now let me just put this in perspective that the nation of israel and the jews that live outside of israel today are about 14 million which is about a quarter of one percent of the world's population so you would think that you know on a pro a per capita um basis that a a quarter of one percent of the scientists of the world would be jewish but you know what since the middle of the 19th century, 25%, not a quarter of 1%, but a quarter of the world, scientists have been Jewish. They have given so much to the world. You take the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, the, Jews have won that prize far more than any other race on the face of the earth. For example let me give you one example the the total population of muslims in the world today is about a quarter of the world's population something like 1.4 percent 1.4 billion sorry the jews 14 million okay a quarter a quarter of one percent jews 20 percent 20 percent muslims there have been seven muslims that have won nobel peace prizes there have been 129 Jews that have won Nobel Prize it's, You know, it's, these, these things are not a coincidence. God's hand is upon this nation and they have been a blessing to the world. In fact, in one year, 1978, over 50% of the main contributors to the progress of mankind were Jewish. Over 50% in that one year. Isn't that incredible? Israel is the only nation whose desert is receding. Every other nation of the world that has a desert, the deserts are growing and taking over more and more fertile land. With Israel, it is reducing. In fact, Isaiah said, the desert will blossom as the rose. And they've been able to conquer the desert. They are also leading the world in terms of um, uh, recycling of water. Israel recycles 70% of its wastewater. Amazing, amazing. Uh, here's another couple of statistics. After the United States, Israel has more companies listed on the Nasdaq exchange than any other country in the world. Also, you know that Jews are living, in fact, there are more Jews living in America than living in Israel. But on a percentage basis, 60% of Jews in America are college graduates in, comparis- in, com- in comparison with 22.4 Americans. About a third Americans are col- college graduates, 60% of Jews are college graduates. Um, Jewish listings in who's who are 468% higher than the, nav- the national average for the United States. You know, you could go on with these statistics of how the hand of God is so evidently upon this race of people that God said, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to the earth. There's a story of um, a Jewish mother who was introducing her two little children and um, she was asked how old they are. And she said, well, the doctor's three and the lawyer's two. <laughs> <laughs> They're blessed and they know they're blessed. (laughs) They expect to succeed. Anyway, how does that work out with the spiritual seed of Abraham? Who who are us? Now let's just go back to that passage that we started uh, with this morning. And uh, let me just quote to you. Sorry, this is what God said to Abraham. I meant to quote this. This is what God said to Abraham. He said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now he repeated it twice genesis 18 verse 18 genesis 22 verse 18 then he repeated it to isaac the son of jacob in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed then he repeated it again to jacob in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed so let's let's look at what god says about the spiritual seed that's us and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles by faith preach the gospel To Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations shall be blessed so then those who are of faith believers in Christ are blessed with believing Abraham now just remember that word blessing it encompasses spiritual blessing but if it does not encompass those other areas then we would have to say that Abraham and the Jews were more blessed than the church but it, uh, the, the, the whole meaning of the word means wholeness in every part. Amen? Reading on, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, of course, Abraham is the prototype of the, the man of faith. He's the prototype, if you like, of all believers. And as he was made righteous through believing in Christ we are made righteous through believing in christ now remember that a right relationship with god is the basis of blessing it's the foundation of blessing you cannot you cannot be blessed and cursed at the same time amen that's why i've never been able to figure out how this teaching of curses has come into the church and even from prominent Bible scholars have brought this into the church and just muddled people's minds about this whole idea of generational cursings and so on. We are blessed in believing Abraham. And, and when Paul teaches that, the, the scripture that we read together, and we're going to read it again because I want us to be very clear on this, is that not only has God blessed us, but he's redeemed us from the curse. You cannot be cursed and blessed at the same time. Let's just read that again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Note that. He became the curse for us. What was due to us fell upon him. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now that's an interesting statement because that's taken, you see the quotation marks? That is taken, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that's taken from the Jewish law, the book of Deuteronomy. Cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. And God has watched over his word to ensure that not only would Jesus die for our sins, but the way in which he would die would be by hanging upon a tree. Now that's remarkable when you consider that the form of capital punishment For the Jews were stoning. And if they had their way, they would have stoned Jesus. They even took up stones to stone him. If they had their way, they would have stoned They would have stoned that woman that was caught in adultery. They stoned um, um, Stephen. So they were stoning in those days. But God made sure that he was delivered up to the Romans for crucifixion. So that it will be very clear that not only was he dying for our sin, but he was taking the curse upon himself. right back in the garden, God said to the, to the, uh, to, to the serpent, he will bruise your head, you will bruise his heel. Amazing. He predicted the form in which he would die way back there in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely amazing. In fact, you know, it says later on in the, in the, the Jewish law about the Passover lamb, that not one b- bone of his body shall be broken. Had to be pure. Not one bo- bone broken. If Jesus was stoned to death, he would have had many broken, body, uh, many broken bones. Make no mistake about that. They're not just little rocks. They were huge rocks that they would bring down upon them. He, his body would have been crushed by the stones. But God watched over his word, and Jesus knew. Jesus knew that that was the way that he was going to die, that the Father would even uh, superintend, if you like, the way that he would lay down his life. He said, as as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so would the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. in another place he said, then you will know that I am he when you see the Son of Man being lifted up. In another place, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world will be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all to me. Amen. He knew that he not only had to die, but there was a certain way he had to die to take the curse upon himself. So that we might be blessed with believing Abraham. Hallelujah. Friends, you are blessed. We're set free from shame. We're clothed with the glory of God. Hallelujah. We're set free from guilt and sin consciousness. We have an overwhelming sense that we are righteous in the presence of God. Amen. We don't toil. We tend. We tend. You know, I had a a meeting the other day A Pastor... A uh, local pastor asked to just meet and wanted to chat. And he's really hungry for grace. He really wants to know. And he was just sharing a little bit about his ministry. He said, oh, you know, we've got to get out of our building. We, we don't know where to go. And, and their brunch, church, uh, the, the, the pastor's gone back into the workforce and they haven't got a pastor. And he's kind of really stressing out. I said, hey, it's not your problem. He said, what do you mean? I said, it's not, it's not your church. It's not your church. It's your church. It's his church. Amen? You don't have to toil at this. You, you, you tend. You know, you do what you are meant to do. Let God do what he said he would do. Jesus said, I will build my church. You're not building it. Yeah, it's interesting. God just opened my eyes to this thing. In the beginning, God says, let us make man in our image. Amen? Amen? Later on down the track, man said, let us build a temple, a tower that bridges up to God. That's man trying to do it all, trying to be God. Amen? Jesus said, I will build my church. You get brochures through, I do, through my letterbox, from, from conferences, let us rise up and build. Let us expand. Let us go forth. Let us, friends, we've got to do what God wants us to do. I just tend the church. I preach the word, I counsel, I pray, I visit, I do all those things. I'm tending to bring forth the fruit, but Jesus is building. Amen. One sows another waters, but God gives the increase. The life comes forth from God. I'm sharing this with this guy, and his mouth, honestly, his, his jaw dropped. And he said, I wished I could live in the grace of God. I said, It's the normal Christian life. This is it. We're blessed. This is the way we do it. Amen. You know, Ros and David have been sharing about Zambia. I, I, just, I just cannot stop shaking my head seeing God working. You know, you, you guys really blessed us so much to enable a lot of this to happen. But when we got over there, we realized that there were so many more things that could be done with all these other schools of ministry. But it's God that's doing it. You know, when I went down to minister last weekend at Sesnock um, on the grace of God be careful what I say. <laughs> Everyone got it except for the pastor, I think. But, uh, um, you know, I started sharing. What I said, I said, look, you know, we, we've got some books and DVDs and CDs and, and everything that's sold this weekend, we're going to put it into our ministry for the, the schools of ministry, DVD schools of ministry in Zambia. At that time, we were trying to work out how much we needed... To get going with these ones that you've just been hearing about because we've asked you for so much and you've given so well and, and, and I just really felt that you know we can do this and so the amount that came in to get these things going which was to pay for the rent for two months in both scores Kitwi and Nandola and other expenses I can't get everything now uh, because then we believe that the pastors, once they get a taste of it, will put a little bit in each week and they'll be able to be self-funding. That's, that's what we believe. The amount that came in through the sale of all my DVDs and, and books was just short of that amount. And uh, while I was there in Cessnock, there was a couple that drove all the way up from the Blue Mountains about three hours. There's some good friends of ours that have taken about three groups of people through This Is The Life. I think they're on their third group now. For, uh, that's that's taking every chapter going you know and and people come into grace just beautiful they just love the grace of god they drove all the way up and she wasn't well she was sick and she they drove up we had a meal together and then just as they dropped me off he just said oh look we just want to give you something for your ministry and you know what it was the exact amount that we needed to get these schools going and so i'm sharing this with the pastor i said this is the grace of God. This this happens all the time. We just you know we just keep shaking our head and see, watching God move. He said, "I will build my church." It's not my church. This is not my vision. It's His vision. We're not toiling, friends. We're tending because we're in the grace of God. Amen. Now, somebody might say, "Well, okay, that's how it was in the beginning, but then man sinned, and so the blessing became a curse." So. Doesn't that apply when we sin? Are we back into the curse? Is God going to catch up with us and, 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 you know, smash us because of our sin? Answer, no. And the reason is because the Bible says that God does not now impute our sin unto us. See, that's the difference between Adam and Abraham. Adam was not in the place of righteousness. He was a place in a place of innocence. Innocence with the potential of falling, which he did and was out of the favor of God. But righteousness is to be placed permanently in a relationship of favor with God because of the finished work of Jesus who has fulfilled the law of God. Amen. And he's become the curse for us. Paul says this, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Hallelujah. God does not impute your trespass and your sin unto you. You say, but he's a holy God. Yes, and he does that consistently with his righteousness because he's imputed your trespasses to Christ. And now he imputes Christ's righteousness to you. That's the blessing of God, dear friends. In fact, it's two verses later where Paul says that, you know, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. That is absolutely amazing. But that is the blessing and the favor of God. Let's have a look at that. I want you to turn with me if you're still in uh, Genesis chapter 12. Let's just read a little bit here. Um, A passage that you're very familiar with. Start at verse 10. And it says, now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Okay, so instead of trusting God and staying in the place that God had brought him to, he went down to Egypt. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, indeed i know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance therefore it will happen when the egyptians see you that they will say this is his wife and they will kill me but they will let you live please say that you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake that i may live because of you so it was when abraham came into egypt that the egyptians saw the woman and that she was very beautiful and the princes of pharaoh also saw her and commended her to pharaoh and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abraham well for her. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Pharaoh caught Abraham and said, "'What is this you have done to me? "'Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? "'Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife now therefore here is your wife take her and go your way so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had friends who sinned Pharaoh or Abraham Abraham who got plagued who got plagued Pharaoh, what happened to Abraham? Oh, let's read on. Verse 1 of chapter 13. Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. That's a good deal, friends, isn't it? He sins, Pharaoh gets played, he comes out with all these sheep and donkeys and female whatevers, and... and, uh, (laughs) silver and gold it is, oh, this is alright isn't it now he say no that, that can't be right well let's just read on let's go to chapter 20 chapter 20 and he's gone now to Gerar, which is I believe the, the land of the Philistines and in verse 2 he says now Abraham said of Sarah his wife she is my sister he said the same thing again and abimelech king of Gerar, sent and took sarah but god came to abimelech in a dream by night and said to him indeed you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife but Abimelech had not come near her and he said lord will you slay a righteous nation also did he not say to me she is my sister and she even herself said he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands i have done this friends every time i read this i can't help feel sorry for this guy (laughs) i know about you and god said to him in a dream yes i know that you did this in the integrity of your heart for i also withheld you from sinning against me therefore i did not let you touch her now therefore restore the man's wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live, but if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early, as you would, in the morning. (laughs) I'll get on to this, I'll get on this now, he thought he said. Called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. Because remember, God says, not only you, but everything that's attached to you. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, why did you have in view that, or what did you have in view that you've done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So it's like, you know, a white lie, really. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech, look at this, took sheep oxen male and female servants here we go again and gave them to abraham and he restored sarah his wife to him and abimelech said see my hand is before you dwell where it pleases you then to sarah he said behold i've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver indeed this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody thus she was rebuked so Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Amazing, friends. Amazing. Why is it? You know, who sinned? Once again, Abraham. Who gets rebuked by God? Abimelech. What did God say to Abimelech? Abraham, nothing. He just comes out with all these goods, all these blessings. He, you know, he probably came out saying, I'm onto something here. <laughs> David, in the midst of Romans chapter 4, when he's talking about the righteousness of God, he says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. God does not impute sin against you because He imputed all your sin to Christ at the cross. Amen? The Bible says that God is love and love does not keep a record of wrongdoings. Love does not keep a record of sins the new covenant promises i will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds i will remember no more now you know me friends I, a lot of people would say man that is dangerous preaching this morning you know you've just given people a license to go out and sin there are always consequences for sin those consequences do not come from god paul says if you sow to the flesh you shall from the flesh reap destruction okay we'll look at those either next week or or the week after but it's very very important friends that you understand and that you get this fixed in your mind and in your heart that god does not impute your sin unto you because he imputed them to christ god is imputing the righteousness of christ to you and because of that you have the foundation and the basis for a blessed life and we're going to talk next week about uh, just expand a little bit more about what those blessings mean but it is so important to understand that the foundation of our blessing is not because of our law keeping not because of our behavior it's not because of what we do now it's because of what he did then that we are blessed. When you understand that, you can set your heart and bow your knee to receive the blessing of God. The problem is, God is wanting to bless us so much, but our hearts have been conditioned to think that we've got to qualify for that blessing. We've got to earn it. We've got to merit it. And then we can expect it but you're blessed because of Jesus. God does not impute your sin unto you. He imputed your sin to Jesus and He to you right now that you might be blessed. But here's the thing that I really want you to get as we finish up this morning. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you miss that, you miss a major ingredient in God's purpose. Be fruitful, God wants you to be blessed and multiply. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You know, I think some of our friends, you know, they understood the, the prosperity teaching and so on, but it just ended there. It turned inward and it just imploded because the purpose of God is that we are blessed to be a blessing. You know, the Sea of Galilee... Is where the disciples caught their fish and it had an abundance of fish but you know there's another sea south of that that's totally different to it's called the Dead Sea nothing lives in that sea you know why because it's got an inlet but no outlet it is the deadest place it's I think it's the lowest point in the earth and uh, the salt content is so intense that nothing can survive it's got an inlet but no outlet you know who the first billionaire was John Rockefeller John uh, uh, what's his name John yeah I've got his name down here Rockefeller JB Rockefeller the first billionaire do you know how he lived for a lot of his time he was so sick because of fear this is while he was a billionaire that he, he, he he lived off crackers and milk He was afraid that people were going to attack him. He had guards around him. He was afraid that people were going to take his wealth from him. And he lived every day in fear. He was the richest man on earth, but he was living in fear. Then one day, he started and discovered the the joy of distributing his wealth. And his health improved dramatically. Because we're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be blessed in your life, but not the full stop. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. That's the blessing of Abraham. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that your thoughts towards us are for good and not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. Thank you, Lord God, that you demonstrated that in creation. And thank you that when we undid all that blessing through the fall, you restored it again through Jesus. Permanently restored it. We are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Lord, I pray that you would just write this truth upon our hearts today. That you do not impute our sins against us. Because you imputed them to Jesus. But you impute his righteousness to us. And because we are righteous, we are blessed. Write that upon our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.